0: All right, well, let's continue with our chronological study here in uh, Genesis. And so let's turn to Genesis 35. Genesis 35. We'll begin again there, sort of where we left off a little bit there. Finishing up the life of uh, Jacob. All right, Genesis 35. Genesis 35. And we'll read verses 1 through 7. Verses 1 through 7 of Genesis 35. All right. (laughs) Begin there. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments. Boy, there's a message in these verses. And let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and all their earrings which were in their ears. And Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them, and they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, that is Bethel, he and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother, when he fled from the face of his brother. Let's pray again. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we claim the blood and name of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we do thank you for these good songs that we're able to sing. Lord, that are based upon the word of God, reminding us, uh, dear Lord, that we were crucified with you, reminding us. Uh, dear God, that it, uh, tis, hallelujah, tis done. We can rejoice that the great transactions done, the great exchange has been taken place in our life. Old things are passed away. All things become new because of Jesus Christ. And uh, dear God, we thank you, Lord, for uh, the song that uh, uh, the Canes just sung. Dear God, we thank you, uh, dear God, that we can read your word. <laughs> dear God, we can memorize your word. We can sing your word. And dear God, we can love your word. Again, Lord, we pray for those that are uh, sick among us, dear God. We think of Sister Muxlow, Sister uh, Barnett, and uh, uh, others, dear God. We think of Sister Judy's uh, granddaughter. Lord, please give them wisdom. Lord, uh, we commit that child to you. We commit uh, uh, them to you, dear God, that you would give them clear direction, uh, uh, dear God, for uh, what they should do concerning the child. And Lord, I pray if it glorify you, just give miraculous healing there. Uh, Dear God, we commit that child to you. We think of others, dear God, that have great physical need. Please touch them. Lord, those that have spiritual need. Lord, we think of Kevin. Lord, we think of this uh, uh, couple that Sister Pam was able to speak with and no doubt uh, uh, that others were able to witness to. Lord, please, again, uh, take that word, dear God, and bring great conviction upon their heart and draw them unto thee. Now, Lord, as we continue to just uh, go through the word of God, Again, to teach us and guide us and uh, give us a a good understanding, uh, dear God, of how you work all through the Word of God. And Lord, uh, we can look at the lives of these, dear God. And Lord, we see their successes. We see their failures, uh, dear God. And uh, Lord, I'm glad that you're with us in our successes and in our failures, dear God. Lord, we just need to, like many of these did in the Bible, despite all their shortcomings, they just kept on going for the Lord. And you continue to use them and bless them. Uh, dear God. And Lord, help us uh, not to get weird and well doing, but just to keep on keeping on. Uh, dear God, we pray that your will and glory might be done in our lives. Now, again, Lord, uh, uh, we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we have a wonderful story here as uh, we look at uh, Jacob, that faithful uh, patriarch. And, of course, uh, God tells him uh, to go back down uh, to Bethel. And we know that, as we uh, looked at last week, that uh, his uh, sons, right, because of what happened to their sister, uh, uh, how they fooled those people and then went in and killed them. And so uh, Jacob was worried that, you know, all those people were going to band together and come after, come after his family. But uh, here's what, 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 look, we see what happens here that, uh, again, God reminds Jacob of his previous command to return uh, to Bethel. Jacob had been living in Shechem for 10 years, and uh, Bethel was only like 30 miles from where he was supposed to to be. It's amazing how close we can get to where God wants us, but, hey, man, settling well, we're close enough. No, we need to be the, we want to be in the exact Place So it's easy to, to move and, and give up quickly when we're so close to where God wants us to be and where God wants to uh, 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 bless us. So here we see that Jacob instructs his entire household to destroy their idols, to wash themselves and to put on fresh clothing in preparation for the Bethel trip. Amen. They were preparing to go to the house of God. and You know, there should be some preparation for going uh, to the house of God. You know, even on Saturday, uh, there ought to be preparation for going uh, uh, to uh, the house of God. And so uh, that, that's a good that's a good example here uh, about preparing to go to the house of God, getting, you know, getting things out of your life that don't need to be life, making changes in your life that make the change. You know, uh, people say, well, you know, that's what the altar's for. Well, hey, you ought to have an altar like uh, a man at the house amen, where you can get some of those things. Uh, 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 right. You know, actually, uh, we're, we are not supposed to come to church to get filled. We're supposed to come to church filled, supposed to come to church and uh, overflow together. There's actually what's supposed to happen. We're supposed to already be filled. Amen, and uh, uh, come in and just share the blessings, Amen. That God has already done in our life, and get together and share it as a share it as a group. And so uh, these idols and earrings uh, were collected and 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 buried uh, uh, under an old oak tree near Shechem. Amen. And they buried him in the world. That's right. Well, that's where they came from. Amen. So, amen. Take all those things in your life and just give them back to the world. Amen. That's a good thing to do. Amen. Just send them back out there and and bury them and and put them uh, behind you. But what's interesting, this is considered uh, the first record of a revival in the Bible. The first record of a, of a revival in the Bible where this family, if you will, gets right with God. And notice, amen, uh, Jacob as the leader, he led in this. And that's a, that's a father's responsibility to lead their family in those things, their family, and get right. And, uh, you know, I think it's a blessing. You know, the Bible uh, 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 talks about you know, the, the, the principle of first mention. Now, the word revival isn't mentioned here, but you see the example and you see the principle here. And you can do a lot of preaching just on these verses. But I think it's important to understand that when you see the first example of what might be called a revival, of the Bible, that it began with a family. It began with an individual family. It didn't begin with a group of families. It began with that individual family, Jacob's family. And boy, you know, we pray, oh God, we see what's going on in our country. Oh God, bring revival into our country and, and bring revival to our church. Well, this is a good example. Say, well, Lord, you know, let it begin with me. Let it begin with my family. As the leader of my home, help me to take the stand. Help me to be willing to stand before my family and say, listen, uh, uh, you know, uh, we need to get some things right. And it needs to begin with me. And that's how we should pray. That's how I I pray when I when I pray, I pray for the I pray for my family. Of course, I pray for the church and I pray for other people. And of course, I pray uh, for the needs spiritually. I say, Lord, I say, Lord, those that need to be saved, save them. Those that need to be stirred, stir them. And those that just need some grace to keep on keeping on, give them what they need to keep on keeping on. But I but I always say every day I try to pray. But Lord, Amen. Whether it's with my family or whether it's with the church, let it begin with me because I'm responsible for my family and then also in that sense, I'm responsible get to an answer for the church. So whether it's revival for the family or it's revival for the church or whatever, let it begin with me. And so we shouldn't be praying, you know, crying out for all the trouble going on in our nation if we're not willing to be able to say, Lord, let it begin in my heart, let it begin in my home, and let it begin in my church. And Lord, whatever we got to take off, whatever we got to change, wherever we got rid of, whatever we got to bury, Lord, uh, help us to bury it. Amen. And uh, uh, get that thing behind us and be willing uh, to move on. So I think that's a wonderful thing. Uh, that it begins in a family. So we should all be saying, Lord, let it begin with my uh, family. What a wonderful, precious thing that would be. What a wonderful, precious memory for your family that would be. So Jacob arrives, we see, in Bethel. And as we talked about before, he built the altar. And again, he named, there he names it, remember, El Bethel. So first he named it Bethel. Then he comes back, and it means El Bethel. And we saw that we all know Bethel means what? House of God. And then uh, what does El Bethel mean? Who remembers what El Bethel means? The God of the house of God. See, Beth El. Now we got El Beth El, right? We got the house of God. Now we got God of the house of God. uh, Right. And so uh, uh, that's what we as we talked about before. Right. Not only Amen. we want to be in the house of God. We want to be in the house of God. But hey, when we're in the house of God, we want the God of the house to be in the house. Amen. We wouldn't be able to say, hey, father's in the house. Amen. (laughs) Right. We won't be able to say that. Right. We want him uh, uh, to meet with us. We want we want we want him. uh, As we say, we want him to show up and show out, as they say, uh, in the house of God. And so uh, uh, that's 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 a good thing. So we not only, we don't just, uh, you know, want an empty building. We want it to be filled. I, you know, I love it. after Remember after Solomon prays and it said the plate like that cloud came in, if you will, and that place was uh, filled. Man. I mean, it, it was so full of God that uh, it, 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 wouldn't that be amazing if we were all standing outside one day and people came up and said, well, man, why don't you go in? It's filled already. How many people are in there? One. <laughs> well, actually three in one. Amen. How many are people in there? Well, three and one are in there. That place is so full of God nobody else can in uh, could fit in. Boy, that would be a wonderful thing. Like happened at the at the temple. Boy, that should woo. That should be uh, uh, the desire of our heart. But here, here's here's what we want to know. we talked a little bit about this last week. But now, again, we're about to see the the sorrow. We mentioned this last week, some sorrow in his life. Now, remember, uh, uh, before the sorrow came about what happened to his daughter and what happened with his sons doing that, Jacob had just had what? Had had several victories, had several good, exciting things happen in his life. And so we see, hey, things can be going good, but you don't know, man, that next thing could be a heartbreaking thing. But here, right after revival happens in his life, right after great uh, spiritual uh, uh, experience happens in his life, that all of a sudden we see more sorrow. So we see, hey, listen, a uh, uh, sorrow again, whether you're having a bunch of victories or whether you're having even a great revival in there. Hey, uh, uh, we see that no matter what's going on in your life, the reality is, unfortunately, as long as they're in this life, uh, sorrows can show up at any moment. Amen. Uh, we can be we can be on a mountaintop because of some uh, uh, great thing uh, that happened in your life, uh, whether it was uh, uh, financial or some great joy in your family or or some great spiritual thing. And then uh, and all of a sudden, we get, you know, uh, th- this happens or that happens. And so we see that here that uh, the, his, again, his old nurse uh, Deborah died, uh, as we saw that in verse 8 of uh, Genesis 35. But Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under an oak. And the name of it was called Alon Bakuth. I Got that right, man. Them, them names, right? And then after that, of course, uh, Rachel died giving birth uh, to her second child. And uh, who can tell me what was uh, her second child's name? Raise your hand. Raise your hand over there. Yes. Yes. Uh, what was that child? Benjamin. Thank you, Benjamin. And again, what was uh, 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 what, what does Benjamin mean? We, I know you told us last week, huh? Son of the right hand, and you're still on the left side of your dad. You're supposed to be the son of the, the right hand. So we're praying re- revival for Benjamin, that he'll get, 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 it, get it right or get on the right side, right? And then, of course, in verses 27 through 29, we see that, and then Jacob, uh, uh, we see that Isaac, uh, his father, finally died. Verse 27, and Jacob came unto Isaac, his father, unto Mamre, unto the city of Arba, which is in Hebron where Abraham and Isaac sojourned. It's amazing how much happens in the Bible around Hebron. And the days of Isaac were 104 score years, about 180 years. And Isaac gave up the ghost and died and was gathered unto his people, being an old and full of days. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. And that amazing! How many years earlier he thought he was close to death, but God gave him a few more. God gave him a few more years, and so he was buried alongside Abraham, in that cave in Hebron. And again, uh, there are some important things mentioned in this chapter. We're reading about uh, Jacob. He goes back to Bethel, and notice verses thirteen through fifteen. Let's read verses thirteen through fifteen. When God comes to visits him, it says, and God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of that place where God spake with him, Bethel. And uh, uh, notice uh, uh, some precious things that happen in this verse. Look at verse 13. And God went up for him where? In the place where he talked with him. You know, uh, we we talked about uh, you should come to the house of God full already. Each of us, amen, thank God that you come here. But each of us should have a place, amen, where we meet with him, where we talk with him at uh, 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 the house, of course, you can do that anywhere, but it is nice to have a little place. You hear the Bible talks about in the New Testament what it, call, what it calls the prayer closet, right? Or you might have a certain chair that you sit in, or a certain a uh, uh, table that you like to sit at. I, I, I love to uh, walk in people's homes and and notice a, sort of a, a Bible or an open Bible uh, laying there by the lampstand or something in the house. You can sort of tell that that's probably their little place where they get up and and they 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 meet with God. But I love the way it's. And God went up from him in the place where he taught. With him and you sort of see him getting together and and God says, well, Amen. We enjoyed our time, Amen. I'll be uh, uh, enjoy the rest of your day. God says, all right, you enjoy the rest of your day. Well, you sort of picture that saint, Amen, getting up in the morning and and God's sitting there waiting on him and he spends that time with God and now he's got to get up and he's got to get ready to walk out the door for work or whatever and so God God sort of departs, if you will, from the place where they meet together. That's a beautiful that's a beautiful thought right there. But notice what Jacob did. Jacob set up a pillar in the place that he talked with him. He said, Man, I want this to, I want people to know that this is a place where I met God. And notice what he notice what it says here, and he poured a drink offering. This as far as I understand, this is the first place where the thought of the drink offering Amen is mentioned. The thought of the drink offering, and of course, uh, there's many offerings when when they got into the law, when they got into the ceremonial things in the tabernacle and the temple. They mentioned many offerings, and one of the offerings that they mention is a drink offering. But we see, here it is. There's no law and there's no tabernacle, but yet uh, uh, somewhere along the line, maybe from Isaac, Abraham, whatever, Jacob, amen, he pours out a drink offering here. Let me give you a verse where it mentions the drink offering. Leviticus 23, 13 says, and the drink offering thereof, that'll be, that's supposed to be poured out, the drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of an hin." So we see that the drink, it doesn't mention wine here, but we see the bible principle as you read about it in exodus and leviticus and different places that the drink offering was normally amen was normally wine and notice what else is here and he poured out the drink offering and he poured out oil and we know that uh those are a type of two things we know that often uh though the uh wine especially like in the lord's supper wine represented the what wine represented the blood of Jesus Christ. It represented the blood. And then we know that oil, right? Especially the anointing oil often represents what? The Holy Spirit. And so what even even here, you see a beautiful picture or a beautiful type as he wanted to honor God, as he wanted to worship God, as he wanted to thank God, he did a drink offering, he poured out some wine and he poured out uh, some oil. And what a beautiful picture that is. Amen. That, hey, how do we worship God? How are we able to worship God? Through the blood and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are able to worship God through the blood and the Holy Spirit. That's what gives us access to God. Right. The blood took away our sin. And then the Holy Spirit made the connection. Once the blood took away our sin, the Holy Spirit made that connection. And so even so again. It's just one of those things that's so easily to read over. Well, he did a drink offering and he poured out oil thereupon. But he, as, a, as a, I guess an honor of thankfulness to God. And again, Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, with him Bethel. What a beautiful thought that is there. And so here, and then in verse 19, it says, And Rachel died and was buried with him in the way to Ephraim, which is Bethlehem. And so we see that uh, uh, she died near Bethlehem. We mentioned this last week, and that's where Benjamin was born, which means the son of the right hand. And then we made that thought how what years later, that's where Jesus will be born. And he was known as, as to God as the son of God's right hand. What a beautiful, what a beautiful thought that is. And so now, uh, uh, so most of the the, the last few chapters, the focus has been on Jacob and Jacob doesn't die right away. But we know Jacob had sons. But now the focus of uh, most of the rest of the Genesis is going to be turned to one of his sons. So let's turn there and we're going to look at uh, where it begins to focus on Joseph. Uh, Genesis 37 and we'll read verses one through four. Says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. And these are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. I hate to say it, but he was a tattletale. He gave their evil report. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Now, uh, what do we see here? You see, Joseph was the favored son. And we need to realize a lot of uh, 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 over these next several chapters, a lot of things happen that break Jacob's heart, that cause a lot of problem in Jacob's uh, in Jacob's life. Now, we know that, uh, uh, you know, God is working some things here, but yet we've mentioned this before. You see an important principle here. Right. You see, Joseph was the favored son. So what you're going to see here as we see some heartache over these next chapters is a lot of what happened in Jacob's home. A lot of what happened in Jacob's home over these next few chapters was because he showed favoritism in his home. He showed favoritism towards one of his children. And of course, uh, uh, what Jacob came from a home where there were a lot of problems. Why? Because there was favoritism in that home. Remember Isaac favored Esau and, and, uh, Oh, Jacob was a mama's boy, right? He, he was, uh, he was favored, uh, by mama and there was favoritism there. And so that brought division, uh, in the home. And so we see an important principle. Hey, Hey, however many uh, children God gives you, amen. Amen? Uh, 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 That's what, you know, uh, nothing wrong with having uh, a a lot of children. Of course, uh, Isaac only had uh, those two, but then uh, Jacob has several children. But we see hey, there should never be favoritism. In the home with children. Now, that doesn't mean you treat all your children the same. You do have to treat them according to their uh, 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 personality and you still have to deal with them. You know, Uh, uh, some of them might be a little bit more uh, mischievous uh, than others. I can't remember which one was the mischievous one in my my family, but I'm sure there was a mischievous one in my home. But, you know, uh, talking about when I was a kid, not my kids. Right. But, you know, of course, we treat them all. You treat them all different. But that's different than showing favor. Uh, In other words, you give, uh, 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 you know, all of them get one cookie, except that one gets their whole whole bag of Oreos. Okay. now I'd want to be that kid. Right. But, you know, but it's an important principle there about raising children and the evils of showing favoritism and things like that in a home. Boy, you see that again in Jacob. Jacob, when he was growing up and then you see it, you see it here. And so that's a that's a good warning uh, about that. But we know that listen, uh, uh, God did show favor to Joseph, despite the fact that Jacob showed favoritism. God showed favoritism to Joseph, and we know that as we'll see in these chapters that uh, Joseph has some dreams. He has some dreams concerning uh, first just his brothers, which he tells to them, which makes them even more envious. Oh, we're going to bow down to you. Then he turns around and tells it to his parents, and they say, you know, uh, the sun and moon say, oh. We're going to bow down to you, too. But we know God was beginning to work in Joseph's life and preparing him for what was ahead. And so, but of course, his brothers envied him. So Joseph had brought down upon him the wrath of his ten half-brothers. Three factors had led to this sad situation. One, as we saw, because he brought an evil report to his father concerning his brothers. And because he had Jacob's favorite, he was Jacob's favorite son and to show this special favor, of course, he got that uh, that nice uh, coat that his father made for him of many colors. And then, of course, then because of Joseph's strange dreams, again, in one of the dreams, they were all in the field by. Sheaves and suddenly his sheaves stood up and their sheaves bowed down to his sheaves. Then the second dream uh, he saw the sun, moon, and the eleven stars bowing down before him. So Joseph is sent from his home in Hebron to Shechem to check on his half brothers. And their gate and their grazing flocks. He finally finds them at Dothan, some 15 miles from Shechem and 65 miles from Hebron. And so that we know the story that his brothers, what? They conspire against him. And so his 10 brothers see him in the distance and determined to kill him. Look at verse 18. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. Boy, what a... Sad thing. And then we see what happens. He comes and of course they attack him. Verse 24. We don't need to all the verses. You know most of the story. And they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water there. And of course they had already ripped his coat of many colors uh, that was on him. You see that in the verse above. So they ignored his pitiful cries, and the cruel brothers sat down to eat. Suddenly we saw, of course, that caravan comes of the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. Isn't that amazing how you see that turn around, right? Uh, Abraham's brother, the Ishmaelites, uh, uh, come through, and the Midianites on their way to Egypt. And so the nine, there are only nine brothers there at that time. Uh, I think Reuben had gone off and made a hasty, heartless decision to sell Joseph as a slave. Verses 25 through 27, as they sat down to eat bread, they lifted up their eyes and looked, and behold, the company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah, notice this, verse 26. And Judas said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brethren were content. Then there passed by the Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and Joseph uh, sold to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph in to Egypt. And so we know a lot's going to happen down there. As, as we watch that unfold. So Joseph, uh, so it was re- interesting is Judah is the ringleader of selling his brother, right? As a slave, Judah is the ringleader. So I thought it was kind of amazing. You know, it's, it's amazing how you see these brothers sort of work together. And then you see how what happens uh, in, in, in the history of each tribe. Now, look at this. You know, Judah does a lot of stupid things, uh, uh, right, Uh, uh, in in his life. We know that. But here, he sells his brother as a slave. And I think it's amazing that Judah, right, is the one that takes the lead in selling his brother, among other things that he did. But yet, it's out of his tribe that Christ came. And Christ, of course, what's going to happen to Christ? He's going to be betrayed by his brethren and he's going to be sold. <laughs> he's going to be betrayed and sold. So it's sort of interesting that Jude is the one that takes the lead with Joseph. And, and Joda, Joseph, of course, is one of the greatest types of Christ in the Bible. And it's, I mean, it's just amazing how, again, how God puts this together. Right. How Judah is the one that takes the lead. Right. Uh, to sell his brother. And then it ends up being out of the tribe of Judah again that Christ comes. And he is what he's sold by his brother. <laughs> he's sold by uh, uh, those that he should have trusted. Right. Joseph was sold by those that he should have been able to trust. And Jesus was sold by those he, was, he should have been able to trust. And he was out of the tribe of of Judah. So, of course, uh, we know what they do to conceal their horrible crime. They take Joseph's coat, they smear it with goat's blood and deceive Jacob into believing that his beloved son had been slain and eaten by wild animals. Boy, well, I tell you what Jacob wouldn't have given for DNA testing at that time. Amen? What Jacob wouldn't have given. Of course, this is before DNA testing. So, you know, he has no way to prove that that's not his son's his son's blood. So, of course, he's heartbroken. And then we know Joseph is sold as a slave to Potiphar, a captain of Pharaoh's Egypt's palace and the immutable law of retribution, which runs so strongly throughout the Bible right Galatians 6 7 remember this because we know what's going to happen to the brothers we're going to see a law that, 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 that this law is all through the word of God and it's mentioned in Galatians be not deceived God is not mocked for whatsoever man soweth that shall he also reap and of course that means believers too that means believers do. Hey, you might be saved. Thank God you're saved. Thank God you don't have to worry about going to hell. But that, that, that doesn't mean that if you got away from God and started drinking, that you couldn't get cirrhosis of the liver and die from it or uh, or, or, or or something else. You can still be judged for these things in this life. And we see a lot of uh, uh, places in the Bible where that, that uh, retribution takes, takes place. So it's clearly seen here in this chapter. Jacob, who once deceived his father... By using a what? Jacob deceived his brother by what? By using that coat of skins, right, that he had taken. Now he's being deceived by his children uh, uh, because they dipped his blood, the, uh, the, that coat, uh, in goat's blood. So other examples, just to mention some few, few, a few things in the Bible. We see there where Jacob deceived his father. Now he's being deceived. But let me give you a couple other instances. Remember Pharaoh, as you see, we'll see later in Exodus. What did Pharaoh do? He ordered the destruction of Israel by water. What in, in Exodus one twenty two it says this, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. So what is he doing? Pharaoh said, Hey, uh, I want to destroy the, the Israelites. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to do it by drowning them in water. Amen? I'm going to do it by drowning them in water. But what's the amazing thing? When, when Israel is finally set free, and God allows them to cross through the Red Sea, Who ends up getting drowned and dying by water? Pharaoh did. Exodus 14, 28. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after him and there remained not so much as one of them. So it's amazing how you see that principle in the Bible. Jacob deceived his father. Right. And uh, and then he ends up getting deceived by his children. Pharaoh, he wanted to kill off some people by them being drowned. And Pharaoh's people are the ones that end up being, amen, uh, uh, destroyed and drowned by water. Another good example of that is Korah in the Bible. Right. What did Korah do? Uh, Moses, who do you think you are? You think you're better at us? And what did he do? He brought division into the camp. He brought division into the camp. And so what does God do? God says, oh, you want to bring division into the camp? And so what does he do? <laughs> he brings some division in the camp. He divides the earth and they fall in straight to hell. I mean, that's an amazing. He said, you know, Korah wanted to bring division to the camp. He said, okay, you want division? I'll show you division. He divided the earth and then they fell in uh, straight into the pit. Another good one, of course, in Esther is Haman, right? Uh, he, he wanted to get Mordecai. So he, he built the gallows right? He said, boy, I'm going to show that Mordecai. And then what happens? He ends up getting hung uh, with those gals. Listen, uh, you, you can't get ahead of God. He says, okay, you want to play that game? I'll play that game with you. All right. You want to deceive? Okay, I'll let you be deceived. Oh, you want to you want to drown my people? Amen? Well, I'm going to let you get drowned. You want to bring division among my people? Then I'll bring division uh, into your life. Uh, you want to hang one of my people? Then I'll let you uh, get hanged. Listen, it uh, shows you you can't get a hold of God. also shows you that he Even in judgment, God has a sense of humor. That's just sort of amazing how how God, I mean, what what an amazing book, how God does all that stuff. So despite everything that happened to Joseph, amen, Joseph becomes a faithful steward. Uh, Let's look at Genesis 39. 1 through 4. We'll begin here and finish up. And so we know that Joseph was brought down to Egypt. Joseph 39, 1 through 4. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him to, of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand and joseph found grace in his sight and served him and he made him overseer over his house and all that he had he put into his hand well it's amazing how we see that over and over that despite the situations uh, god's People might find themselves in. God can still touch it. I remember uh, uh, I was talking to uh, somebody uh, the other day that was uh, oh a, a good friend of mine. He's facing a situation right now with the county trying to make some decisions about his land and stuff, and and they're giving him a hard time. And I said, hey, remember that the 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 heart of the king is is in the hand of God. Amen. And he turns it with us wherever he will. So you can you can pray about. You can pray about those things. So God touches the heart of this man to show favor... Towards Joseph, and so Joseph is sold as a slave to Potiphar, uh, uh, Pharaoh's uh, 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 one of officers of Pharaoh. And of course, under the blessing of God, he was quickly entrusted with the entire administration of Potiphar's household. And of course, we'll see right his control. He was a faithful servant, and he had he 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 he, he loved the Lord. we know that Joseph is enticed to commit immorality by the wife of Potiphar. But he refuses her advances. Why? Like we talked about the other day, because he considered his God when he was tempted. He considered his God. How can I sin against God? Hey, listen, uh, uh, this woman was Potiphar's uh, wife, but he said, how can I sin against God? Because all sin against God. And that what David ended up saying against Thee only the only have I sinned because all sin is ultimately against a holy God. And so she wouldn't she wouldn't lie with him so she lied about him <laughs> right she wouldn't lie with him so she lied about him of course to her husband and accused him of attacking her so we we often we 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 often only acknowledge right what we what we consider blessings, right? You know, we only have often, I wrote this down trying to read my own writing, but you know, we only often acknowledge God when there's blessings in our life, amen? When there's blessings in our life. But listen, we see here that Joseph understood that everything was under God's control, that whether he was enjoying uh, blessings from God or whether he was uh, in a situation of being a servant, whatever, he knew that God was in full control of his life, and he trusted God. Joseph is a good example that, hey, no matter what happens in my life, amen, I'm going to trust the fact that God allowed this to come into my life, and I'm going to stay faithful to my God. Joseph is a great example of that, and we see that here, amen? His family sold him, and then this woman saw uh, lied on him, and then as we're going to see next week, he ends up Go, go into prison, but no matter what happened, whether whether it was uh, uh, blessings that befell him or what might be considered sorrows that befell him, he, he stayed faithful to God, he trusted God, and he knew that for whatever reason, amen, God allowed these things into his life. Let's pray.